You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. We couldn't attain to what it required. And there was no sacrifice offered that would take away our sins. And it's the new covenant and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, His shed blood on the cross, His death, burial, resurrection. And now through that, through that sacrifice, through that work, we have the privilege of being forgiven, being made holy by faith, having a hope that's beyond your wildest dreams. And we're going to get into that a little bit. Pastor Danny today will remind you that you can't be good enough in God's sight on your own. Don't get discouraged. There's a solution. That fact is why God sent His Son to die for the sins every person has committed and will commit in the future. Jesus lived a perfect sinless life, was nailed to a cross, and endured complete separation from His Father. But then He defeated death. He rose from the grave. He's your conquering Savior. Jesus is alive today, and you can accept the grace that He's offering you right now. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 with today's edition of The Living Word. Hebrews gets its name because it was written to a group of Jewish believers that had come to know Christ through apostolic missionaries that had gone out from Jerusalem. These missionaries had firsthand uh, experience with Jesus in his ministry. They heard him teach. They probably, well, they saw miracles, I'm sure. They might have been the recipients of some miracles. These Jewish Christians are outside of the land of Israel, it seems. That's what most scholars believe. Some believe uh, in Italy because the last chapter in the closing remarks, the author will say, those from Italy send you greetings. We don't know if that's where they were, but that's where the letter gets its name, Jewish believers. And so a lot of Jewish flavor here, a lot of Old Covenant stuff. Uh, As a matter of fact, the letter is a contrast between the Old Covenant received through Moses and the New Covenant instituted by Jesus Christ. Last week, we saw from Galatians 3.19 that the old covenant, the covenant of law, was mediated by angels. And that was a fascinating thing. God doesn't give us the details of how all that worked out, but not just one angel, several angels. Now, Jews, historically, as they well should, and we should too, have a very lofty view of angels. Now, we spent a little time last week talking about angels. Angels are incredible beings created by God. Uh, They are created with rank. Uh, Some are more powerful than others, all of them more powerful than human beings. Uh, They have celestial or heavenly bodies. We have human bodies. And so that's why the scripture we looked at last week that we'll see again today says that the Lord created them, created us a little lower than the angels. Just as a reminder, angels are ministering spirits, verse 14 of chapter 1, sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. The name angel means servant or messenger. Now, of course, one angel created by God, Lucifer, Satan, he has several different names, the devil, uh, one of God's highest ranking angels ever created. He rebelled against God. He led some other angels in rebellion, and they are the fallen angels, and they certainly are not the ministering angels to those of us who will inherit salvation. As a matter of fact, they don't like us at all. And there's the conflict between those who are now faithful to God and those who have fallen with Lucifer. And with that, of course, Satan is an angel. 
And Ephesians 6 says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of this dark world. So mysterious and yet amazing. They are often depicted with wings, but they sometimes appear as human. They are capable of emotion. There's more rejoicing in the presence of the angels, with the angels, over one sinner who repents. So they know how to party in a very good way. Uh, they love prophecy. They love the Word of God, but especially prophecy. First Peter one twelve that I cited last week. They long to look into these things. The context is what the prophets have spoken regarding the coming of Christ and the fulfillment of the ages and the end of the world and Jesus coming back and all those things. They love prophecy. They don't have it all figured out. Uh, they don't procreate. Uh, Jesus said, we will be like the angels in heaven. We won't be angels. We'll be like the angels in that we won't procreate. And, of course, we'll have celestial bodies. I'm needing one more every day, and I'm going to get it one day. Matthew 28, 2, that I also cited last week, says an angel came down from heaven at the resurrection, and he rolled back the stone from the tomb, not to let Jesus out. Jesus was already out, to let us in, to see that he has indeed risen. And it says when the angel came from heaven, there was a violent earthquake. That's interesting because as we approach the end of the age and the second coming of Jesus Christ, one of the things the Bible says there will be an increase of angelic activity in the heavenlies, uh, conflict between heaven and earth and, and the one who rules the earth, but you're getting ahead of me here. And I just think it's interesting because one of the prophecies that's clear too is before Jesus comes and as it nears his coming, we'll see an increase of earthquakes in the world in all kinds of places, places you never thought earthquakes would would happen before. And I wonder, and I do believe, that it's connected with an increase in angelic activity. And so every time you hear about an earthquake, things are happening, man, I'm telling you. Daniel saw a vision of an angel. Uh, He described the angel. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. His voice like the voice of a multitude. And Daniel says, when I saw him, I had no strength. My face turned deathly pale, and I fell into a deep sleep. To put it succinctly, he fainted. <laughs> he fainted. John, uh, in receiving the book of the Revelation, at chapter 18, an angel with great authority comes down from heaven, begins to reveal things to John. Then you get to chapter 19, and John falls down before this angel's feet to worship him. And the angel says, don't you do it. Get up. Worship God. I'm a fellow servant with you and with those who worship Jesus. You worship God. So, rightly so, Jews had a high and lofty view of angels historically, as we should too, because um, they're God's messengers. The old covenant, the covenant of Moses, received through Moses, to Moses, was mediated by angels. And so if Jesus is the mediator, the Bible says, of the new covenant solely, just Jesus himself is the mediator of the new covenant, then he has to be greater than the angels. That was the whole point of chapter 1. That's just a quick review. And the writer in chapter 1 cites seven Old Testament passages, seven passages from the Old Testament, uh, proving that Jesus is greater than the angels. And he has to be if he's the mediator of a better covenant. And one of the words you'll see time and time again in Hebrews is better, better, better. The new covenant has better promises, a better priest, better sacrifice, better altar, better everything. As a matter of fact, everything the Old Testament and the law tried to do for us, it couldn't do because we couldn't 
attain to what it required. And there was no sacrifice offered that would take away our sins. And it's the new covenant and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his shed blood on the cross, his death, burial, resurrection. And now through that, through that sacrifice, through that work, we have the privilege of being forgiven, being made holy by faith, having a hope that's beyond your wildest dreams, and we're going to get into that a little bit. So he's the mediator of a better covenant, and he's greater than the angels. He has to be as the mediator of the new covenant. Now, with that said, jump in with me, chapter 2, verse 5. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. Stop there. It is not the angels that God has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. Now, when last week in our study of chapter 1 and the first four verses of chapter 2, when did he talk about the world to come? We'll go back to chapter 1. We didn't talk about it. We just cited it. It's the seventh and final Old Testament quotation. You find it in verse 13 of chapter 1. To which of the angels did God ever say, ma'am, I love your child and I love you. And I hope you don't feel uncomfortable, but we got a family room over here, and I don't want anybody distracted by what the Holy Spirit's going to say to us. So if you don't mind, I I love you, and I love your child. I have four. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And I know they're just going to be children. God bless you. Thank you for doing that. So chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, warned us, don't neglect this message Don't drift away from it because it's the only message whereby you'll be saved. So Jesus greater than the angels, but he says, it's not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. And verse 13, to which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. It's a very literal verse and prophecy about Messiah that one day the father will make all of Messiah, Jesus Christ's enemies, a footstool for his feet. It's very literal because in ancient history, kings were always elevated above their subjects. And if you came before the king, you were always at the king's feet because he's on his throne. Are you with me? One day, all of Jesus's enemies will be made a footstool for his feet. Now, all kind of enemies. You know what the Bible says the last enemy to be destroyed is? death. Can't wait for that day. Every day I look in the mirror, I can't wait for that day. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Hebrews contains a unique passage that's often referred to as the Hall of Faith. This section gives you a synopsis of people who followed their Creator without knowing the end result or with having each step laid out for them. These icons of trust were definitely not without flaw. Their journeys weren't free from trials and tribulations either, but they came back to their faithful Heavenly Father time and time again, trusting that He would fulfill His promises. God used these ordinary men and women to accomplish great things in their time, and to set in motion kingdom work that would continue to change lives for countless generations to come. We're so glad that you joined us today to study the book of Hebrews with Pastor Danny Hodges here on The Living Word. 
If you missed any part of today's teaching or would like to explore more of Pastor Danny's teachings through the books of the Bible, visit ccfstpete.church and click on Sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. If you have any questions for us about what you heard today, or if you'd like us to pray for you, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that's info at ccfstpete.church. We count it as a privilege to lift our valued listeners up to the Lord in prayer. That's all we have time for today in our study of Hebrews. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue digging deeper into Scripture right here on The Living Word. The power.